Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 20th of October, 2020. Now, we're all familiar with the idea of asking for seconds. Uh, To me, that comes up a lot when I'm whipping up the macaroni and cheese for the kids because inevitably my oldest daughter, Hannah, she will ask for more macaroni and even my youngest my one-year-old Jones, he will start asking for more. Right now, we're, we're with him still working on it. more, please, uh, buddy. But what they're saying is what I've had is so good. That I want more of that. And we all know that experience. We've had uh, a dish or a meal that we're like, wow, that, that was good. And what we would love is yeah, I'd like to get more of that. And I think that's kind of the sentiment that we come across today in Psalm 119, in verses 57 through 64. Psalm 119, 57 through 64. This is uh, Heth here, uh, the Hebrew letter, and it starts this way. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. So there, we, we, we kind of see this idea of the Lord is my portion. And even that portion, that's a word we use kind of to talk about meals and, and food, right? The Lord is my portion. But then it seems like he's kind of, I've always thought of this section is the Lord is my portion. And can I have seconds, please? Because then he goes on in verse 58, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise saying, God, you are what I have and you are what I want more of. And he goes on again, talking about how he turns his feet to his testimonies. He's in a hurry to keep his commandments. He's praising God at midnight. He's surrounding himself with godly companions and that the earth, O Lord, is full of uh, your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. So it's really coming down to God is his portion. God is what he wants more of and even ending by saying, God, the, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. And even that, we think of eating something until we are full. When he's saying the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. So those are just some good thoughts for us on a, on a Tuesday morning, reminding us of how good God is and really reminding us of what our attitude should be. Our attitude should be, God, you are what I want, you are what I need, and ultimately, I, I, you are what I want more of. And I think there's an, uh, there's an interesting kind of pairing of ideas that we see throughout scriptures, especially throughout the Psalms, that God is satisfying, yet when we taste of him, we want more, not of other things, but of more of God. I think of, you know, Psalm uh, 63 and Psalm 42, this idea of hungering and thirsting after God. Psalm 42 talking about the deer panting for the water brook. So at the same time, there's a contentment in God, but because of how good God is, there's a desire for more of God and more of what he provides. And I think this imagery that we see here is going to connect also with the conversation that Jesus has been having with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, where today we look at verses 16 through 30. And here, remember, 
we, we kind of pause at an awkward point here, uh, but yesterday Jesus is offering living water, the spring of water within your soul. And she is stuck on taking this at a purely uh, kind of physical level. And she's like, hey, I would love a faucet. I would love a spring of water that I could take with me. Uh, then I wouldn't have to come out here and get water every day. And Jesus in verse 16, he now brings it home to her when he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so I think what Jesus is doing here is he, he is, uh, he's not changing the subject. He's trying to make the point to this woman that what I'm saying here to this Samaritan woman is I can satisfy your soul. And to help you see that, well, you've been looking for satisfaction for your soul. How is that going? You know, you've had this clearly troubled relationships and we don't know what the backstory is, whether her husbands had died, whether um, there was, you know, infidelity or, or whatever it is, but it doesn't seem like a good situation. And Jesus is saying this, this hunger that you have in your soul, I am the one who can fulfill it. And then I think the woman tries to change the subject. I mean, wouldn't you? Um, when you, somebody is unveiling all of your deepest, darkest secrets and she starts to ask, ask about worship. And I think, again, this is all connected because this is where Jesus talks about, I am seeking people to worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. And, and that, I think, simply just means they used to worship him uh, at a physical place by doing certain physical actions. They would go to the temple and offer sacrifices. Well, now he's saying, no, worship is going to be in spirit and in truth. It's not going to be about a physical place, and it's not going to be about rituals that you do. It's going to be worship in spirit and in truth. And when we become true worshipers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that's when we will find satisfaction. That's when we will know the Lord is my portion. I have this living water and that's when I want more of. Now, we see kind of a flip side to all of this in another passage and that is James chapter four. James chapter four. Uh, because when we are not content in the Lord, there is going to be trouble. And, and specifically, I think that's one of the things that's gonna open up um, doors to trouble in relationships with others. Look how James chapter four begins. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So James is telling us here that a lot of our conflict, even interpersonal conflict, comes from unmet desires. There is something that we want that we are not getting, therefore we're going to war with somebody else. Usually, obviously, not in a literal way, but there is now conflict between us and somebody else because there is something that I want that I am not getting. Now, I think this makes sense with the passages we've looked at because we should, if we're really saying the Lord is my portion, the Lord is what I want, he is what I need, well, that should lead us then into 
to less conflict with others because what I really need to be satisfied is wrapped up in God, not in other things. The more we have these desires in all of these other things, the more conflict we are going to have. But one thing I remember hearing in a sermon many, many years ago now on this passage was kind of a counseling moment from the pulpit where the the preacher said, when you find yourself in conflict with others, ask yourself, what is it that I want that I am not getting right now? And that's where you see, that's kind of what this is teaching. The reason there's a conflict with someone else is there's an unmet desire. So ask yourself the question, what is it that you want that you are not getting? These are important questions to ask. And so I would encourage you, if there's conflict in your life, to ask that question, because I think that question does help us. One way it helps us is sometimes by asking that question, we realize that this conflict is really coming from us wanting something that's not even important in the first place. We'll find some of our conflict really comes from, I'm I'm taking something more seriously than I need to, or I'm I have this conflict because of this unmet desire, but it's not even that good of a desire that I have. And so that spares us from some conflict. But then when we find, okay, well, I want this, and we think, hey, this thing that I'm wanting is actually good, and it's right, and there's good reason for me to want it, and even maybe biblically, it's something I should be getting from another person, where they're not being patient with me, or in a marriage, I'm not receiving love or respect or uh, something um, like that. And so we, we, we think about these, these things, and I think can be helpful, because when we say, there's something I want that's, that's a good thing, and I'm not getting, and therefore there is conflict, then we start asking, okay, what other ways should I pursue this desire that I have if this conflict that I'm having with somebody else isn't working out? And that's where James even leads us to prayer. And he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And that is such an important thing. And so I would encourage you, if you are in conflict with someone else right now, ask yourself the question, uh, what is it that you want that you are not getting? Maybe this is with your spouse. Maybe this is with someone else that you're living with um, in your home. Maybe this is with a coworker or someone in the church or whatever it might be. Step one would be, is this even a legitimate desire? Or is this just something that I need to just uh, put away? And that can resolve the conflict. Step number two, then, pray about those desires. If they are good desires, make sure that instead of just trying to get them through conflict with someone else, you are being faithful to go and humbly ask God for these things. And I think after you do those two things, then if there's other steps you need to take to try to resolve the conflict with the other person, you will be in a much better place to do that because hopefully your heart will be coming at the conflict now from a position that says, the Lord is my portion. He is what I want. And I'm not going to get so upset when there's something else in my life that I am not getting, but I will approach that in a way that is content, in a way that is seeking reconciliation, in a way that's pursuing peace, which is kind of where we ended James chapter three. And there's a lot more in James chapter four that we could get into, um, but I think those first couple verses really connect well with what we're looking at in the other places, the Lord being our portion, him being the living water, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And so 
That's what we want to think about today. Uh, Finally, we want to look at Jeremiah 23 and 24. Jeremiah 23 and 24. And we see some glimpses of hope in the reading today. Um, Kind of the main message of judgment, he really takes aim at the lying prophets, the lying religious leaders who are not doing their their job. Um, But in the midst of it, we do see a couple of good signs. We see him talking about the righteous branch. In chapter 23, verse 5, Behold, these days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is why, this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. And so there we see a prophecy that I think is pointing towards the Messiah and the branch. We see it in Isaiah. We see it in uh, Zechariah. This this is uh, an image that we'll see throughout the prophets that I think is pointing forward to the Messiah, which even as we talked about on um, Sunday at our church, we don't just come up with all this Messiah stuff in the New Testament. It's there in the Old Testament. And this is one of the passages that I would point to. The other encouraging bit that we see is in chapter 24, where we see God clearly has a plan that there will be a restoration for these people in exile when he talks about these good figs and these bad figs. And the, the bad figs, he's saying that these are the people that are going to remain. And Jeremiah is going to get caught up with some of that crowd at the end of the book, and they're going to seek help from Egypt. They're not going to listen to Jeremiah, and it's not going to go well with that group. But for those in exile, God makes promises that we will see him ultimately keep. And we we already know that he has because we've read books where they they return from exile and God blesses them and helps them as they return back to the promised land. So today, let's, with the psalmist, be able to say, the Lord is my portion. God is what I have. And God is so good. You know what I really want more of? I want more of him. And I don't need to go looking for satisfaction elsewhere in relationships or in getting my way in conflict. The Lord is my portion. And let's rejoice also and say, the whole earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you.